One of the really big challenges ahead of us as a society at the moment is the lack of support that young people have to access healthy food. And not just that, but healthy food that's affordable and culturally appropriate in their communities. It's not a problem that one company, one clinic, one person, government, or anything is going to solve. Like many of the challenges in health, it's going to call on a collaborative approach. There's an opportunity for startups in this space as well, who have permission to think innovatively and move quickly, take a new perspective on the problem and co-design with some youth-led solutions that address the barriers that young people have to accessing healthy, affordable, and culturally appropriate food. Well, today on the show, I'm joined by two guests who you'll hear separately in a moment about a new partnership between Vic Health and LaunchVic called Civic Labs, which seeks to harness the power of entrepreneurship and innovation to advance the health of the state of Victoria's young people. You'll hear about the program and the problem to be solved in a second. And after the music, first you'll hear from Dr. Sandro DeMeo, Chief Executive Officer from VicHealth. And then after that, you'll hear my conversation with Georgia McDonald from LaunchVic. So let's go. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. First up in this double barrel episode about this new partnership between Vic Health and LaunchVic called Civic Labs, you'll hear from Dr. Sandro DeMeo. He's a medical doctor and globally renowned public health expert and advocate. In this chat with Dr. DeMeo, we learnt more about his background and why this issue of improving access to healthy eating options is such an important one and how technology might play a part in that transformation. Dr. Sandra, thanks so much for joining. Hello. Now, set the scene. Tell us a bit about you and your background. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks very much for having me, Pete. So I started my life as a medical doctor and I was working in a range of different settings. I worked in remote communities in Australia. I found myself in Sri Lanka in in aid clinics after the Boxing Day tsunami of 2004-2005. I did some work in Cambodia and Sale ED here in Victoria and at big tertiary hospitals like the Alfred. And, and what I found was no matter where I was working, people were dying from diseases we knew how to prevent. People were suffering for many years, sometimes decades. Their ability to work, to enjoy a good quality of life, to spend time with their kids, to fulfill their life goals and ambitions and contribute to society and the community, I suppose, were all being hindered, limited, sometimes really significantly by a group of conditions that if we put our minds to it as a society within policy, we could significantly delay or defer or prevent completely. In fact, 90% of deaths in Australia are attributed to this group of diseases called non-communicable diseases, which basically a hundred years ago were not a problem. That's why they've got such a weird name, non-communicable. They're the ones that you can't catch from someone else. They were like the kind of rounding error in global health problems, but jump forward a hundred years and they kill 50 million people a year. They are the leading causes of death worldwide and they contribute on average to about 11 years of pain and suffering as well as early life for every Australian. 
And so I thought, well, this doesn't make any sense. Why are we allowing this to continue? And why are we not taking action as a society to prevent these things we know how to prevent and can prevent, have the political and technical and medical know-how to prevent? So I left clinical medicine and went off into public health. I spent three years between Copenhagen and Mongolia, watching on one hand, a country that has put social policies in place that has a third the obesity rate of Australia, but pretty much the same level of development and income. Denmark, watched Mongolia and worked with some incredible people as the country's economy was the fastest growing in the world, saw the first KFC open in Ulaanbaatar and saw child obesity skyrocket literally in front of my eyes over the years that I was there. I then spent two years in America launching a social startup trying to think, well, how do we use modern comms, technology, social media, which was really started, like these were the days where Twitter was something new and flash and kind of an emerging technology. How do we use these technologies to further leadership and accountability and global health and around these diseases that I was really passionate about addressing? And then I thought, well, maybe the answer lies with the United Nations. It was kind of the holy grail for me to get the job as a WHO global advisor to governments based out of Geneva headquarters for three years. And for all the amazing work they do, I realized that I was not cut out to be a UN bureaucrat at 30. And so went back to the startup world, was involved in launching a really important piece of global science, which kind of sent shockwaves through the food systems and health and sustainability world, the Eat Lancet Commission. And then finally found myself back in Australia. And along the way, I've done a bunch of weird and wonderful things from hosting TV shows to writing books to trying to be helpful on social media and a balanced, you know, voice of credible science where I can. But at the end of the day, all of it is really just my journey to try and find a way that I can contribute in a meaningful way to addressing this enormous burden of preventable disease and to improving the health and lives of populations around the world. Such an important the passion behind it and the important drive and motivation and a really important issue globally to address, which brings us to now and in your current role as CEO at Vic Health. Is that right? Tell us about what you're doing. That's now. right. Yeah. Yeah. And so Victoria, like, so obviously everyone in the healthcare industry over the past couple of years has dealt with a lot going on yeah. in terms of Victoria yeah. specifically. What's that been like over the past couple of years, the response and... Yeah. So, I mean, Vic Health is an amazing piece of innovation. And I can say that because I was not involved. It was the late 80s. I was a few years old and the government decided in a world first to tax tobacco, ban advertising and tax tobacco, take it off the chests of our sporting heroes, take it off the Formula One cars, take it off the billboards on the side of the roads and tax tobacco and hypothecate or use that money to fund an independent statutory authority, which is basically a fancy word for like a government body, but it was built as a foundation. So we're actually the Victorian Health Promotion Foundation, Vic Health, not the Department of Health here in Victoria. And innovation in that sense, and really kind of health tech in a way, was in our very DNA. Like it was a huge jump forward in the way people thought worldwide around policy and policy innovation and health innovation. And we've kind of been at that forefront now for 35 years. So the last couple of years have been, yeah, look, they've been very challenging for many Victorians, for many people and communities across Victoria. Early on, we thought that the pandemic would be, you know, there were people around the world saying, this is going to be the great leveler. 
the huge and rising inequality that we know is driving so many of the challenges we face as a global community and as a community here in our great state, that this pandemic was going to level them. It was going to give us an opportunity to lift people out of poverty, to close the enormous gaps in access and affordability of good food or appropriate housing or safe and respectful employment, access to education, and we would all end up in a better place as a result. And of course, you know, the history is history. In fact, it wasn't the great leveler. The pandemic has been the great accelerator. Pretty much every concerning trajectory that we were on as a society, whether it's the climate crisis or income inequality, hunger and food insecurity worldwide, but also here in Victoria, our digital privacy and the kind of commodification of our own personal data and our children's data, all of those things have simply accelerated. They've got worse faster. And I think as a public health agency, you know, we've had to be focused. One track of work was really supporting government and being helpful because it was almost a kind of wartime effort, the COVID pandemic. It was all hands on deck, kind of anyone who could lend a hand did. And I was also deputy public health commander on weekends, in addition to my day job of running the agency, because it was just do whatever you can to support Victorians to get through this and to protect, you know, lives, I suppose. The second was, you know, we as an agency were having, you know, responding to kind of stabilizing the sector we work in, trying to get big amounts of money out the door to small community arts, sporting, cultural and health organizations who are really struggling with massive demand, but also drop off in volunteers and capacity. And then of course, new and emerging threats, which there are lots of, you know, people 27,000 Australians haven't had their heart health check in the last two years because of the pandemic. Their hearts continue to pump blood around their bodies. Heart disease continues to happen and they will simply enter the healthcare system later with more advanced heart disease, more heart attacks and poor outcomes. And it's the same for diabetes. It's the same for cancer. It's the same for a whole bunch of different diseases. So we've got this kind of changing needs and demands of Victorians the need to continue our BAU and deliver strongly as an agency, but also respond and reform in light of some of the new risks and opportunities that we see on the horizon. There are opportunities. I think the big learning for us over the last couple of years is that no one's safe until everyone is. There is this understanding of the importance of investing in things like social payments and social safety nets that are respectful and allow people to live a dignified life and afford good food, not leave people from poverty in poverty. We've invested huge amounts of money in social housing. We've started to take some important steps on the climate crisis. Like, I think there is this kind of understanding that we need to start investing more heavily in each other and in our societies, and we need to lift the baseline health of populations so that we're more resilient and ready for the next challenge that comes along. And it will. So I think there's also a huge opportunity that we have at the moment to kind of build back fairer and more sustainably and more equitably. And we don't want to miss that opportunity either. So, so we're busy. It's a busy time. Absolutely. I'm totally aligned with that message too. And I guess that brings together then hearing your background and what's important to you and then the current situation and the climate we're in. And we're here talking about this civic challenge and what's mm. going on there. And so tell us a bit more about civic, what's going on there and what it's for. Yeah. I mean, this is a hugely exciting project. So we've partnered with Launch Vic, which is the Victorian government's accelerator and startup agency. We're the health promotion agency. And it's really based on the insight that like, assuming that things are going to change without us doing something different, not a very smart way to respond to some big challenges. 
we don't have all the answers. Most of the kind of markers of health in society are going in the wrong direction. We're not on track to meet our global targets with regards to health or a whole bunch of other challenges. I think we do have to be humble. We have to be humble in the fact that last century, the major public health challenges were not solved by doctors. They were solved by engineers and by economists. This century, I firmly believe, again, that people like me are not going to be what solves the big public and social health challenges of our generation. It's going to be entrepreneurs. It's going to be social entrepreneurs. It's going to be technology gurus, engineers, and economists probably once again. And so we said, well, let's work with this sector. Let's really put our money where our mouths are and let's try and find new solutions, bring new market-driven solutions on some of the big challenges that we are not making enough progress in as a public health community. So applications are open at the moment. This is a program where we're really going out and asking the startup and social enterprise community to give us their big, bold, ambitious ideas to solve two key challenges. The first is exposing unhealthy food advertising targeted at young children. So we know that kids' data, the attention of children has become a commodity to be packaged up and sold off to the highest bidder. That is deeply concerning because who can pay the highest price? It's often industries and commodities that are not good for our health, not good for society's health, and certainly not good for the health of that young developing child or brain or identity or personality. So how do we expose some of these practices, how data is being utilized against, I think, the health of populations? Parents don't like it. I don't like it. Kids deserve better. Let's ask the startup community what they can do to help us move this forward. The other is improving young people's access to healthy food in their community. We've heard loud and clear over the last two years from young people across Victoria that accessing affordable, fresh, healthy, sustainable food is tough. It's expensive. It's getting more expensive. We need some disruptive technologies, whether that's in growing, production, manufacturing, transport. You know, how do we not lose so much food from the system in transport, retail, or in our homes? What are the technologies that we can bring to market that might help us to make healthy, fresh food more affordable for young people? So we're looking for 15 aspiring entrepreneurs and early stage startups. It's a six-week Civic Labs pre-accelerator program. There's 10 grand upfront funding to develop the prototype. And ideas will then be co-designed with our own public health experts in-house. I've got an amazing team here at VicHealth who's really keen to work with this community. They can sit in our space. They can get access to our networks and our IP. And then we'll look at ways to kind of grow these businesses, connect them into a mentoring network. And there is the potential of $25,000 further in seed funding at the end of the program. Very cool. I love that. And you spoke to the point about it's a tough gig, you know, changing people's behaviors or also improving their access to it. To a lot of the sentiment around some of these, you know, to you or me or to many others, it's like, well, this is important for a lot of people in communities where they need it the most. It might not be front of mind, but like you're saying, it's not so much about creating another app that tells them how important it is to eat good food. It's all of these other bits and pieces where technology can help. I'm interested to know though, from your side, big focus on the startup side of things. I think you touched on it, but why the startup community? Why not go to a very big organization who's got the infrastructure and money behind it to just do it? We're doing that as well, is the short answer. So, I mean, there is no single silver bullet. These are wicked challenges. And what I mean by wicked challenges are that they are challenges that are not going to be solved with pushing of one button. You know, I learned that a long time ago. It's going to be 
multiple solutions being deployed across multiple sectors from multiple partners. So it really is an all hands on deck type moment. And both of these are challenges that are going to require everyone we possibly can and every solution we can find. So we have just rolled out a $4 million investment in food hubs, local youth-led spaces across regional and growth corridors of Metro Melbourne and regional Victoria, engaging young people in their food system, creating new spaces for young people to plug in and find and access and celebrate culturally appropriate and diverse food cultures, including, of course, importance of First Nations food cultures. So don't get me wrong. I mean, we are definitely still spending big dollars with big players. We're also sitting on the state government's food relief task force. I personally am a member. We're doing some important work around developing a new food relief charter and guidelines, but it's not going to get us over the line, Pete. Like we've been doing this stuff for a long time. The trends are going in the wrong direction. We need stuff that is going to be market-led, scale, big dollars, big impact. We want, is it unicorns? Whatever the billion-dollar idea is, yeah, yeah. you know, there you go. I'm dropping a bit of, a bit of startup <laughs> you're, you're in the zone lingo already. for nice. you. <laughs> I know everyone probably says the same thing, but governments have a role. Civil society has a role. Not-for-profits have a role. But business has a really important role in changing the world for the better. And we want to understand what role that can play. But in particular, we want to support small, fledgling, but ambitious and bold Victorian-based startups, create jobs, create opportunities to drive through the market solutions that create impact. I think the other thing to remember also, Pete, is that at the end of the day, solving something like food access or access to fresh, healthy food is not about telling people to eat better. Mm. You know, everyone wants to eat the best possible food they can. No parent wants to put anything but fresh and healthy food on the table for their kids. The challenges are accessing it, affording it, even aspiring to it. You know, like how do we make it something that kids want to engage in and not just from wealthy postcodes or wealthy income backgrounds. So I think really challenging the startup community to think beyond just giving information, but actually how do we change some of the really deep structural, cultural, commercial, and geographic barriers, and of course, economic, that so many people face in accessing and affording good health, whether it's food or protecting their data and allowing them to develop their own preferences and develop their own sense of identity and personality without being influenced by people or industries trying to sell something. Mm. So we're super excited by this program. And I think the opportunity to build this into something even bigger and bolder with larger investments in the future is something as a CEO, I'm very interested in. You know, this is us dipping the toe, but I think that um, we won't be long before we're jumping in the deep end even further. So for the startup community, you know, stay in touch, connect with us on social. And we think you're doing, you know, as I've traveled the world and over the last 10 years, it has often been really amazing, purpose-driven, passionate, smart, and often gritty entrepreneurs that have made the big difference in these areas, in these big social structural challenges that we're trying to address as a planet. Um, so, you know, all strength to you and to this community. and um, 
yeah, we're humbled and just really privileged to be able to drive this new partnership. I think you touched on a good point about the structured side of things too. Like, and I think there's a unique opportunity for startups to be able to have more resonance with whether it's young people, whether it's different communities to come from a perspective of, well, it's not necessarily competing with the existing infrastructure to convince people that healthy options are better. It's what role can technology play to then perhaps be a circuit breaker to some of this or create new ways of looking at and, and accessing and creating opportunities. So really exciting. Yeah. And I think also like we want to go on a journey with these startups and with these entrepreneurs as an agency. Like I think we can be really helpful, not just with the money and the program, but also great ideas. Let us help you to plug into some of these larger organizations and partnerships that we do have. We have partnerships with, you know, more than 25 councils across the state, local governments, you know, social procurement is becoming a big conversation in the public sector in Victoria, as it should be. I think there are opportunities to go on this journey as a partner with us. And hopefully it's one that really, you know, allows us to unlock some of the pieces that we can contribute. And of course, most importantly, unlock the potential and the kind of entrepreneurial spirit of these startups across Victoria to create some serious good. Next up, to learn more about the Civic Program and LaunchVic, I spoke with Georgia McDonald. She's the Chief Operating Officer at LaunchVic, which is the Victorian government's agency responsible for startups. After speaking with Sandro to understand the problem, I wanted to learn from Georgia about how startups are in the best position to help move the needle on this problem in the state of Victoria. Georgia McDonald, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for having me, Pete. Great to have you on the show. For those that don't know you, tell us about you and your background. So I'm Georgia McDonald. I'm the COO at LaunchVic. LaunchVic is the Victorian state government agency responsible for startups. So what we do is catalyse interventions that help grow the number of startups in the state and help the startups that we do have to become bigger and employ more people and ultimately create products and services for all of us that we enjoy and create more jobs. Cool. Nice one. Great thing and important to do. So responsible for startups, you know, you mentioned pre-accelerate. There's lots of different things for startups, like your accelerators and incubators and courses and programs. And at the same time, there's so many different things around, but also there's always more support needed. So tell us a bit more about the types of startups and the stage of startups and all of that that you work with, and maybe a bit more about how you might support them. Yeah, absolutely. So it really is an ecosystem kind of play. And so you're wanting to support startups across the whole length of their journey. And so LaunchVic does that in a number of different ways. So we will seed fund or fund accelerators and pre-accelerator programs. They might be generalist ones like Startmate, or they might be industry specific like MedTech Actuator, which we also support to look at specific industry verticals. We also fund education programs and initiatives that help people who have never even thought of starting a startup to get in and to understand a bit more entrepreneurial ways of thinking. The other things that we do as well is to support the investment side of the equation. So we've got educate, we support education programs that helps high net worth individuals understand what investing in startups is all about and how they can mitigate their risks and get involved. And we also run a couple of investment funds. So we've got the $60 million fund of funds called the Victorian Startup Capital Fund. That's a fund that directly invests in a range of other venture capital funds that helps seed fund 
startups within Victoria. And in-house, we run the $10 million Alice Anderson Fund. So that's a $10 million sidecar fund for women-led entrepreneurs. And we co-fund at a ratio of three to one. So one part us funding, three part private sector into women-led businesses. We've already invested in nine companies in just over nine months, over $2 million we've already invested and activated close to $9 million in private sector capital for women-led businesses in Victoria. So we're especially proud of that one. Unreal. That's amazing. And so it's part of the government? Yeah, so, so LaunchVic is a state government agency. So we're an independent body, but we're entirely funded by the Victorian government. And so what that allows us is this really unique position where we sit at the intersection of government and startups. Lots of people think government and startups are at two polar opposite ends of the equation. And so LaunchVic kind of sits in the middle there and helps translate between the two worlds and helps government, which has a really important role in the startup life cycle. Sometimes we forget that and we think that Silicon Valley was all kind of Wild West and entrepreneurs out there, you know, staking their claims and doing amazing things, which they did. But a lot of government funding and a lot of government intervention went into create Silicon Valley, likewise in Israel and other cities and countries around the world. And so the Victorian government is really very invested in making sure that we've got an innovative economy, that we've got new businesses starting, and we've got those businesses being able to grow and flourish here in Melbourne and in Victoria. And so they fund us to be able to pull the levers that help to create that kind of startup economy. I think that's cool too. You mentioned before about working with the start mates and the medtech actuators and the other programs. So subject matter expertise, and they've got, might pull together the people or the industry experts or whatever it might be. But often when you're in those environments, if you don't have the collaboration or the partnership, or at least a channel into other areas to be able to progress some of these things, it can feel like you're shouting into the wind a little bit where it's like, well, if only there was, you know, more involvement from government in this space or if there was more funding available or something. So am I right in thinking it kind of helps progress some of these a bit more from just conversations and ideas to actually executing on some of these cool ideas that startups have? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important just working out where does government have a role and where does government need to stand back? And so that's why we really love the partnership that we've got with Vic Health, where they've identified the specific challenges that they're seeing in our society. And they're looking at, well, how can we tap into the power and the knowledge of startups and entrepreneurs and use that to help tackle some of these problems as well. Yeah, amazing though. And so coming to then the Civic Labs program, I've heard a bit about it, but remind me some of the key elements and why it's exciting for you. Yeah, so Civic Labs is a direct program that LaunchVic directly manages ourselves. So it's not us funding another third-party service mm-hmm. provider, it's us delivering a program because we sit at that intersection between government and startups. And Civic has two core aspects to what we do there. We have a six-week pre-accelerator program where we work with government departments and agencies like with Vic Health to roll out an accelerator program that brings in entrepreneurs, gives them seed funding and helps them to design solutions that solve particular policy or environmental challenges that the department or agency is having. The other aspect that we have is the government liaison service. So we've got a dedicated government relations manager 
that more mature startups that maybe have government customers in other jurisdictions and want a foot in the door in Victoria, they can come and speak to our government relationship manager and they will help them navigate through the corridors of the Victorian government and work out how to get to the right person at the right level if they've got, you know, a relevant product or service for government. Amazing. And so this Civic Labs program... What types of organisations should be thinking about applying? Is it something that if you're well established, then you've got an opportunity to increase some funds or is it worth applying for if it's just an idea? Tell me about who should be thinking about it. So with the Civic Labs Pre-Accelerator Program, we've got this fantastic partnership with VicHealth who have identified two really key challenges that are facing Victorians at the moment. And so what we're looking for is 15 early stage startups to come and be a part of the six-week pre-accelerator program. They get $10,000 in seed funding just for participating in the program. And we will take them through a real co-design process where you're working really closely with Big Health and the knowledge holders of the problems that they've identified and take them through step-by-step the building of a startup, of a solution that's going to have a relevant and sustainable business model behind it to be able to solve those problems. So what we're really looking for is people that have maybe tried a bit of a side hustle before that hasn't worked out. Maybe they've got something at the moment that's related to the field that we're looking at and they're wanting some kind of hand-holding and support and coaching while they're kind of working out their next steps. Because you get $10,000 of funding for a six-week program that's only one day a week, it also allows people that might be in corporate or in our hospital or health systems already and they've got a bit of annual leave up their sleeve and they want to give it a crack, it gives them an opportunity to get in there and have a shot at entrepreneurship and seeing if they can actually come up with a solution to the problems that we've identified. I can't tell you the number of barbecues I've been at where, you know, you're standing around and someone says, oh, I had that idea before so-and-so did or (laughs) I should have done this. And we want people to get out there and do it. And I think, you know, sometimes in other cultures, maybe in Israel or Singapore, people will just get out and have a shot at creating a startup and nobody sort of blinks. But in Australia, sometimes we can be a little bit lean back. And if you're, you know, creating your own startup, then, you know, your parents and your friends are saying, what are you doing? You've got a great job. And we really want to encourage more people to get out there and give it a shot. You learn so much. It's a really enriching experience. And you can actually go on to make companies that have a meaningful impact on our society. It's not just entrepreneurs who are about getting rich quick or hiding out in Mallorca. It's actually about making an impact and making a difference to the world. And, and that's what we really want to encourage people to do with this Civic Labs program. Such a great message. How exciting. And for anyone that's keen to learn more, I assume the website's the best place to go? Absolutely. So you head to the LaunchVic website and look up Civic Labs and there you'll find all the details about the program and what's required. It's a pretty simple application form. Just pitch us your, your idea and you'll hear all about the two really key challenges that Sandro and the team at Vic Health have identified. So there you have it. Just a reminder to learn more about Civic Labs and apply to be part of the Accelerator program. You need to be quick. Applications close on the 30th of May and you need to be a startup based in Victoria. But regardless, if you're listening to this after the fact, follow along the journey with Civic Labs. There are links in the show notes of this episode and on our website as well. It's a good demonstration of the opportunities that present when institutions, departments and bodies collaborate to solve a common problem. 
There's a lot of work to do in this space of healthy eating options, especially for kids in this country. But this is just one of those steps to get us a little bit closer for a better outcome. So follow along, support the organisations that get selected for the Accelerator program, helping make it happen. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.